0: Well, good morning. Today we're talking about uh, the Good Samaritan. Uh, Last week, David Barber, his barbers aren't in here. Uh, Last week, David Barber um, had, um, thank you for not giving me last week, Uh, (laughs) uh, had had the the great job of of telling everybody about the parables, and he had a whole thousand, zillion verses to talk about, and he did a great job. And one thing that I took out of what David was saying was when he was talking about, you know, this line, and, and on this side it's truth, and if there's truth, there's untruth. We're going to talk, continue that theme just a little bit uh, during this. Good Samaritan, um, Luke chapter 10, and I'll read, start verse 25. I am reading out of the me- message remix. So, and this is, I'm doing this to pay back everybody that read, gets up here and reads out of the, you know, another version because it takes me forever to follow along with everybody. Uh, so now you have to follow along with me. Uh, verse 25, chapter 10. Just then, a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher. What do I need to do to to get eternal life? He answered, What's written in God's law? And how do you interpret that? He said that you love your Lord, your God, with all your passion and prayer, your muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do this and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked, And just how would you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story. We're going to stop right there for a second. There's two parts to these, this scripture, okay? There's the historical part, which we just read. This is what's happened, okay? Two main characters in the story, Jesus and the lawyer. When we read this story about the Good Samaritan, I think too often that we get preoccupied with the Good Samaritan, and, and that's the story that we get out of it, okay? But the two main characters are Jesus and the lawyer, and those are the first two blanks. I don't have mine up here. Continuing. Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, luckily, a priest was on his way down the same ro- road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on to him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar, scholar responded. Jesus said, Go and do the same. So I hope you had fun following me and my version. Two main characters, Jesus and the lawyer. Um, we, we got to, to backtrack a little bit in, into, the, into the scripture uh, because what was going on right here, this is, happens right after Jesus had the s- gathered the 70. Basically, Jesus picked the team right here and had a pep rally. He picked people out two by two and sent them out and said, go preach, go to your towns, go to the houses, don't work, don't take any money and just live in, in, off what people give you. And tell them when you talk that God was near these folks. Okay, this was a religious, a spiritual pep rally that Jesus was leading. So there's a big crowd of people here. Okay, big crowd of people. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, in the conversation, the lawyer Jesus is talking. Get, get a pep rally. He's got these seventy people already picked out, um, and, and and this lawyer. Okay, he's a religious scholar. He knows the Torah. He knows the first five books of the Bible. Moses, it, just great, okay? This is his job. And Jesus is giving this pep rally, and he turns around to his disciples, and in private, he says, what you've just heard is incredible. There's prophets and kings that can't hear this. You are very fortunate. And he turns back around. Now, about this time, a lawyer stands up. In his, what the lawyers wear in Jerusalem back then? Were they the... the a robe and a tie, <laughs> a robe and tie. Did they have the little sparkly jewels and stuff like that? That's a priest I know, but I'm thinking of a lawyer. I don't know. I mean, this is a religious scholar. I just gave you some thumbs up, but you missed it, so never mind. Um, you're welcome. This lawyer stands up as a lawyer. <clears throat> master. Now, when I was reading this, um, you know, I, you see this a lot. People go, "Oh, master, you know, rabbi." And, oh, yeah. This is a lawyer. He stands up, a, a Jewish lawyer, and he goes, Master. And when I read it, after the 15th time, I, I felt sarcasm Okay, from this, this lawyer's mouth. He's, this is a proud guy, Jewish master. What, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Now, to a good Southern Baptist, what is your definition of eternal life? Huh? Being saved, salvation. Okay. So this Jewish lawyer was was in my head thinking or asking, "What do I need to do to be saved?" Now I, I don't think that he was thinking being saved by knowing and having a relationship with Jesus at this moment. This is the God, okay, Jehovah. And Jesus looks at him, and at this point, next blank, the lawyer is the expert because he's tempting Jesus. The Greek word. I can't pronounce it, means to put to a test. He's not tempting Jesus into sin. Here's, a relig- here's your college professor asking a student. I was asking Bobby, Dr. Robert Wilson, about his Ph.D. And when he went to get his Ph.D., did the professors in his oral presentation, do they try to trick you? Do they ask you things to you know, kind of mess you up? And He said no, which ruined that part of the whole lesson, so never mind. Um, but here's this, ru- this Jewish lawyer that's testing Jesus on his theology with a bunch of people around. Master, what do I need to do to inherit, inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, I don't know, what do you think? What's in the law? Okay, The lawyers are coming to Jesus as an expert in the law, trying to test Jesus. Jesus, in this point, is the novice. And Jesus reverses the roles and says, You tell me what you think. You're the lawyer. And the lawyer tells Jesus two things in Deuteronomy love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus goes, mm-hmm. And then he comes out of Deuteronomy. We're a little bit backed up, mixed up. Comes out and he says, And love your neighbor as yourself. what the law says. And Jesus says, yep. Ding, 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 ding. You're right. Now the lawyer doesn't say this in the Bible. And, and I don't want to add anything. Okay? But the lawyer, this pride Jewish lawyer, asked a second question. Okay? And in the Bible it says, to justify himself. What, what, to you, what does that mean? Because I have a totally different, when I read it, several times, I kept bouncing around back and forth what trying to justify himself means. To you, what does that mean? When the lawyer says, in the Bible, it says, to justify himself, what's it mean? Huh? He wants his loophole. For what? For what reason, though? Why does he need a loophole? Yeah, his neighbor or another Jewish person. Maybe, can you see if, if it says he's trying to justify himself, that he might be feeling a little guilty you know, for the way he's living his life? He just t- quoted the law, "Love the Lord your God with everything you got, and love your neighbor." Okay? And that, at this point, the, I think the lawyer is, is thinking, "I think I just stepped into a trap." And Jesus, said, or he asked Jesus, "Who's my neighbor?" Is it this table, and this table, and that table? I mean, is that table? I mean, look at that table. I don't... It's amazing. Look at this table. Do they have to be my neighbors? I don't know. I, mean, I don't think they'd help me. any. And we get into the to the make-believe part of the Scripture, the parable, okay? And this is what I was giving you a thumbs-up, David. The parable, this is a story that Jesus makes up, that shares a truth, okay? Um, And Jesus answering the question, second question, who's my neighbor? A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, We don't know his name. We we don't know what he does. We don't know where he's from. We know a certain man is leaving Jerusalem down to Jericho. Um, Jerusalem... What's the landscape around Jerusalem for those who've been there? Hilly, Hilly. elevation of Jerusalem—it's on, it's on a hill. Elevation is 3,300 uh, uh, feet. 3,300 feet above sea level. Lookout Mountain is 2,100 feet, so we're dealing with a, a hill taller than Lookout Mountain. Down to Jericho. Jericho was a desert. Okay, it was in a, in a valley desert. 3,300 feet below Jerusalem. Okay. There was no interstates. There was no Highway 27. There was no Ox Highway coming off lookout mountain. There's a man coming off of Jerusalem to Jericho going home. Uh, who, does anybody know? Uh, yeah. Who lived in Jericho? The majority of the people in Jericho were who? Jerichonians. What did they do for a living, the Jerichonians? Is that a word? <laughs> what the Jerichonians most of the Jericonians, does anyone know? Because I, I didn't until I was... Look at this. No, they were not nomadic. It was a city. Um, in the in the desert. They were not nomadic. They were huh? <laughs> <laughs> Blackjack dealers. No. Uh, they worked at the church. They worked at the synagogues and, and, and they were the lay people that would go to walk to Jerusalem every morning, work, ten hours, walk back home every night. Okay? So who's Jesus' audience right? Here's another blank somewhere. I don't who was the audience of this, this story right now? Who was the audience? The lawyer and? Remember, this was a spiritual pep rally. He just picked his team. There's 70 guys wandering around, okay? There's the disciples over here. And there's a big crowd. Of, the, then the, 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 the bandwagon that followed Jesus are over here. There's a lot of people, mostly other Jews. The audience were other Jews. So when someone's telling you a story, if I said today a certain man left Stuart Heights Baptist Church to go to Northgate, what are you going to assume that man was doing? No, he's going to Northgate. He's leaving Stuart Heights Baptist Church, going to Northgate. He's a fellow believer. He just came from church. He either works at the church or he's a visitor coming to visit the church or something. something to do. He's going to the Piccadilly after church, okay? So in this conversation, a certain man going from Jerusalem to Jericho, to the the audience, they're thinking, psychologically, this guy is a Jew, and he probably works at a church, okay? And and Jesus is an expert storyteller. That's a blank somewhere. Jesus is an expert storyteller because not only is he talking in high def and in color, it's the truth, okay? And he's an incredible communicator because he is telling people in the story things that they know without ever saying the words, okay? The way he lines his story, I'm a tour guide. I've been a tour guide for 25 years, and, and, and I get a lot of accolades for the things I do on my tours. Um, Jesus would have been an incredible tour guide, okay? He had a big problem, though. Uh, most tour guides, half the stuff they say are lies. If you go somewhere and you have a tour guide, half the stuff they say is a lie. And the other half, you shouldn't really believe, okay? <laughs> That's just to, not me, but tour guides. Jesus had a problem because he told the truth, but he's an incredible way, a, a, a way of painting the picture of the story with just a certain word to make the people he was listening to his audience make the story bigger, okay? So here's a certain man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, these people thinking this is a, a guy that works at the church, He's going to Jericho, 17 miles away, down 3,300 uh, 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 3, feet elevation change to a desert where there's caves and rocks and stuff. The name of this road, the Jericho Road, was the Way of Blood. That was the name because it, it was like walking from Lookout Mound down Tunnel Boulevard. Three people got shot this week on Tunnel Boulevard, okay? Just to get you an idea, by himself, walking through Tunnel Boulevard at night, going home from work. And some muggers jump out. Okay, we don't know who the robbers were. Uh, we don't know what they took. Uh, they tore his raiment, tore his clothes, ripped his clothes off of him, took his money, took his stuff. And in some commentaries, they said most of the time these brigades have of, got brigades of, of guys, the robbers and the thieves. They would they would beat people with sticks and clubs, not to kill them, but just so they might not recognize them and ID them later, so they couldn't be chased. So, baseball bat, whack! And I'm ripping off clothes and taking money and stuff. We're getting away. And they leave him, laying in a ditch, half dead. The audience now is going, serves him right. Walking down there in the middle of a tunnel boulevard. He should have known better than that. He should have stayed in Jerusalem. Man, I wonder what's going to happen. And Jesus says, a priest comes by. Now, um, the hierarchy of, of Jewish culture, top of the food chain, were the priest. Okay? If your son grew up to be a priest, my son, the priest. And then right after that, you know, your, my son is Pastor Gary Jared. Sure is. Right after that would be the Levites, the Sunday school teachers, and the deacons, and the volunteers that did everything at church. That's the second level of hierarchy of the, the Jewish culture food chain. After that, it would be the normal guy. He's Jewish, he's just a normal guy. It, it, it's just people that were stonemasons or, stone or woodworkers or something. After that, you get tax collectors. They don't really care for them. Okay? Tax collectors, outcasts, criminals, sinners. Then you got Samaritans. And then after that, you got us. You got the Gentiles. So there's a very defined hierarchy of Jewish culture on who their neighbors were. Okay? A priest walks by. And in my head, in my motion picture, high-def TV, you know, the priest is, is walking down the street, down the dirt road, and he's, he's aware of the dangers because it's the way of the blood. And he sees a lump right over there. And it's a man. And he just keeps walking. He just glances, don't want to get involved. He just keeps walking. Now, the audience now at this point is going, Huh, just like today, when someone mentions to you, he's a TV evangelist. Your thought just then. See, back then, I'm sure it was the same way. Some folks looked at the priest and went, hypocrite. Oh, yeah, he's a good preacher, but, you know, he's just not living the way he's preaching. He's not walking the walk. Okay? I'm sure some of those people in the audience saw that coming. Then Jesus says, the next man that came by was a Levite. He was the deacon in the church or the Sunday school teacher. And if you skip a comma, it says, he passed on by. But if you look in between commas, it says, he came and looked. So now the deacon walked over to this, dead, this half-dead body and went. But there was no TV cameras around. and Nobody watching. How does Jesus tell us how not to pray? How not to pray? How? When the Bible says pray not like the Pharisees and the hypocrites. Don't go out in public to pray just to be seen praying. Okay? So here's this deacon in the church walking down. And he came and he stopped. And he looked down at this half-dead body. And kind of nudged him. Oh! Oh! Help! And the deacon went. And he kept walking. Now to play devil's advocate, and I always like doing that when you're teaching a Sunday school class, to be devil's advocate in the law, could the priest touch a dead body? No, he, he didn't want to be defiled. Did the priest even go look to see if it was a dead body? No, he didn't look. He just saw a lump, half dead. He might not have been moaning. He might not have been moving around. He might have been dead. I'm not sure. I didn't really go look, but I can't touch a dead body. That's in Exodus. I can't touch it. it's the law. I'm sorry. The Levite. There's even verses in the Old Testament that says, you know, even the workers at church, you know, the guys that kind of police the grounds, the security, of the guys that make sure the lines are straight and stuff like that. You really shouldn't touch dead things either. If you do, though, you have got to go take a bath. If you touch something dead, you got to go take a bath. So the Levite even had an excuse, kinda. And this to me, where it gets kind of wishy-washy. I've got my notes. And Jim Fleming's notes, and Jim Fleming's notes that he made for me is always a lot neater than the copies that I give him. And I looked at this last night and said, "How did he get this out of what I gave him?" Pretty amazing. Mm, I can't read it. Maybe it's in my notes. Leviticus nineteen eighteen. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children your, of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's one law. Okay, so now we're, we're, we're doing conflicting things. You can't touch a tad body. You gotta go take bath if you do. Where's the Exodus thing? Here we go. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall, shall surely bring it back to him again. Okay, I'm, we're comparing and contrasting. The law says if you're fighting someone, you got an enemy, and his donkey gets lost, and you find it, take it back to him. If your enemy is thirsty, if your enemy's hungry. Go give him some food. Give him some water. Kind of like showing love, okay? But you can't touch a dead body. If you do, you got to take a bath. And then we've got this whole love your neighbor thing as yourself. And it's throwing some wrench in somebody's eyes, okay? They're just, they're, he's, it can be confusing. The audience, they know the law for the most part. Jesus talks about a priest, talks about a Levite. They're he's got them hooked. They've got the, they're on the edge of their seat waiting for this climax, Okay? Now, the priests, the Levites, the next people that in the Jewish hierarchy of culture would be just a normal guy. In almost every story that Jesus shares, where there's a hero, the third person is a Jewish guy. Okay, Almost every other story that Jesus talks about and tells, the hero is always a Jew, most always a Jewish guy. And Jesus says, coming down the hill was a third guy. As he journeyed, wasn't going anywhere that we know of, He's just walking around, a Samaritan. Now, you've got all this, his audience, Jewish folks, and, and they, they, oh yeah, the priest, some of the guys hypocrites, so we can expect that. The Levites, the deacons, you know, I've seen that deacon cuss one day and chewing tobacco. I really, but you can, no way can you even bring a Samaritan in this story. There's no possible way. They're half-breeds. They're outcasts. They're dogs. Nah, I don't I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is right. Does anyone, now Jim, Nehemiah Sam When Nehemiah was, was trying to rebuild the walls, the guy that came to him and says, "Ye, you now, listen, let's, hey let's do something. Sam He was the governor of Samaria. OK? Here's, I'm, I'm going to read this. This is from the Concordance. I forgot the guy's name. but this is some problems that, that the Jewish folks in Jerusalem had with, with Samaritans. Or does anyone know anything? Why was there a problem with Samaritans? I'll read. The Jews, after the return from Babylon, set about rebuilding their temple. The Samaritans offered to aid them, to help. The Jews, however, perceiving that it was not from a love of true religion, but they might obtain a part of the favors granted to the Jews by Cyrus, rejected their offer. The consequence was a long and bitter animosity arose between the Jews and the Samaritans. Nehemiah was engaged in building the walls of Jerusalem. Samaritans used every art to thwart his undertaking. That was Samballot. The Samaritans at length obtained leave of the Persian monarch, to build a temple for themselves. This was erected on Mount Gerizim. And they strenuously contended that it was the place designated by Moses as the place of worship. That's pretty big. Okay? This is pretty big. Sanballat, the leader of the Samaritans, constituted his son-in-law, Manassas, high priest. The religions of the Samaritans thus became perpetuated and the, irisect- uh, re- uh, the, the hatred between <laughs> arose between them and the Jews. Afterward Samaria became a place of resort for all outlaw, outlaws of Judea. Jewish criminals, sinners, refugees, the violators of Jewish laws, those who had been excommunicated betook themselves to safety of Samaria and greatly increased their numbers and hatred which subsisted between the two nations. The Samaritans received only the first five books of Moses rejecting the writings of the prophets and all Jewish traditions. From these causes arose the uh, differences between them so that the Jews regarded them as the worst of the human race and had no dealings with them. Jerusalem hated them. Hated them. Almost worse than the Gentiles. Big problem. And Jesus introduces the hero in the story as a Samaritan. And you've got these, these, the audience of the G- Jewish folks. You've got the disciples who are probably going... And you've got this proud lawyer who's asked the original questions. And the lawyer, in my mind, is either smiling just a little bit inside, like, how in the world is this backwoods country preacher going to dig himself out of this hole? There's no way. But as a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come back, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor? The Samaritan, he, he didn't know if this guy was a Jewish guy. He, he, he was just some guy laying down. Um, about a month and a half ago, uh, when Jim asked me to do this lesson, I asked about 19 people in their small group in this Sunday school class if they've ever had help from a good Samaritan. And I was, I was trying to tie certain things in to the story. Of the 19 people I asked, 16 people had something happened that they had good Samaritans. Three people that we know. No, I can't really think of anything. Cool. Of the 16 people that I asked, I had some questions. I said, well, what was the story? I'm not gonna tell it to the Sunday school class. I, I just, I just want to know you know, kind of a basic story. Running out of gas, like my keys in my car, uh, this, that, and the other. And I asked a few other questions. And then the last question, if you saw this person just kind of walking around, what was your perception? I mean, was it somebody that you would think middle class, Halfway well-dressed, you know. 30% said, yeah, they were pretty much well-dressed. Almost everyone else said I would never have anything to do with it, whether just their perception of the person on how they looked, okay? I'm glad you're here. Flat tire and Jim Fleming stops. You need some help. Almost all of us will go, Yeah. What if someone like this showed up? <laughs> okay? I don't know why. I don't know why. But every time someone has helped me with anything, it's someone that I really wouldn't hang out with for whatever reason. You know, They look like Jim Fleming, the people that I hang out with. I'm not saying anything. Most of my friends don't have these things sticking out of the lip. Okay. I, I've got I. Why is it that good southern baptist who like to wear ties to church and pants? Why is it that we're afraid to help? I'm not talking tornadoes. I'm talking about when there's no cameras around. And why is it that some people that most of us We don't know many people with lots of earrings and things in their lip. We just, I don't. Do you? Does anyone? Admit it. Say it. Burkhart's okay. Who else? Chandelier? Keith didn't. Keith. <laughs> Why is it that people like this, and I'm not talking appearance, I'm talking in here, that might have earrings on. Why is it that this person is the one that that is going to stop and help? Are we looking so much at the priest and the Levites and the ordinary Southern Baptist that we all have those hypocritical stories that we talk behind someone's back about that person because they didn't stop? When we're broke down on the side of the road and some biker with all these stickers on his helmet and lots of tattoos, big beer gut gets out. Ma'am, can I help you? I used to say that the best friends that I had that would help me no matter what were my drinking buddies. And that was true at that point in my life because I didn't go to church all the time. Why is that? Why as Christians, as believers, do we not stop and help someone that's half dead? That's a rhetorical question that I want you to answer. Why is it? Commitment involved. Of what? Haven't we committed our life already to Jesus? What more can there be? Do we not love enough? This American stopped and had compassion. He had compassion. And that's another blank somewhere. Get Jim's out. He had compassion. He loved. Not for the sake that he knew this person, that he had a relationship with this person. He basically had love for people, okay? And he stopped. Do we have that compassion? Luke 10, uh, 34. He took care of him. He didn't just stop, mop his brow. He stopped. Now, the, he journeyed. He was, a, he was journeying. The Samaritan was journeying. I don't know if they had first-aid kits back then. He probably did. If he was, he was, in, he was a Samaritan... In way of blood, and he journeyed, he probably had some type of rudimentary first aid kit. So, he took care of him. He bandaged him up. You know, some commentary said that he probably ripped his shirt and bandaged him with his shirt. I doubt that. He probably had a first aid kit. Okay? I, I mean, I'm a boat captain. I have a first aid kit. Surely this guy from Samaria walking around on the donkey had a first aid kit. Oil and wine. He disinfected the wounds, okay? He got some olive oil, some wine. Some more wine <laughs> disinfected it, okay? This was. Ex- <laughs> As Christians, we just keep a bottle of wine in the back seat. <laughs> I got four minutes. I got 10 minutes of four minutes. Um, love is expensive, okay? Love's not conven- convenient. The compassion part. Love's not convenient. Sometimes we got to love when it's not a good time to love. We're busy. We're busy. But we gotta stop sometimes and have that commitment to love. It's not convenient. Sometimes love is expensive. This guy, Samaritan, as he journeyed, he used his own stuff, his bandages, whether he ripped his shirt or not, I don't know. But his his, his wine and his oil, that's expensive stuff for this stranger, just so he wouldn't get germs. Okay? Love is expensive sometimes. Then he picked him up and laid him on his donkey, walked some distance to an inn. Okay, Now, some of the commentaries I read said, you know, this wasn't in Jerusalem, this was an inn. that the innkeeper more than likely knew this guy. So this journeyman, this Samaritan, he, he was a traveler, whether he was a salesman, I don't, it doesn't say. But apparently this innkeeper knew him, and there was a little relationship, a little trust involved. And the Samaritan walks into this hotel with this half-dead person with a deal bandage and smells like alcohol. He says, "Hey, I gotta leave. I got some business to do. Can you take care of him?" Uh, and oh, where's my wallet? <laughs> I, was gonna give him, I don't know where my wallet I'm driving illegally today. And he pulls out some money. <laughs> and says, "says Hey, here's here's some money right now for the room. And and if he you know bleeds out or something, take care of him. And I'll come back later on. You know I will. I'm back here all the time. Twice a week I come back. I'll come back and I'll pay you back. I'll repay you." Okay, I'll repay you. That's another blank somewhere. So this Samaritan that the Jews hated, loved somebody, had compassion on him. It was not convenient for him. He took care of him with his own stuff and gave money and said, if there's any more money needed, I'll be back and I'll pay you back. Love is expensive. Okay? Women do this. Not... What do this. <laughs> love is expensive. <laughs> it's just funny to have everybody doing this me. Love is expensive. Is that love? Is that love? No, it's not love. Eh. But it's not what the love we're talking about here. Sometimes you have to go out of your way and it's gonna hurt financially to love. Not when there's tornadoes and there's T V cameras. It's every day. Okay, So as Christians, as believers in Christ, with that commitment that Matt was talking about, we have got to go out of our way and stop. And that's the big key word today is to stop and love. Kind of, kind of. Three blanks underneath the ivory will pay you blank. First thing is love. That's the first thing I got out of this lesson. I've read some commentaries, read some other emails talking about pride and I don't like focusing on negative stuff. I want to focus on positive stuff. First thing I got out of it was love. The second thing I got out of this lesson was love. That's the blank. And the third thing I got out of it was love. We don't have enough of it. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Not this table. Well, this table. But not only this table, but that weird looking table back there. And half the weirdness is gone already. They went to choir. We got to love everybody, and it doesn't mean that we love the Southern Baptist. We got to love the Southern Baptist and the Jew and the Catholic and the and the atheist and the guy with all the tattoos and the earrings. Even if he's in Sunday school class with him, we got to love him. Okay. What do we uh, apply? What's the point? Anything. This is the David thing. Anything that's not true is untrue. There's a line right there. If there's something's true, physics says there's something that's untrue. So if there's love, there's got to be hate. And if we're not loving our neighbor like ourselves. We're hating their neighbors. And as Southern Baptists, as somebody of, of Jesus, not Southern Baptists, as someone that's a follower of Jesus, if we're not showing love, we're showing hate. I and mean, that's not a good thing. We've got to show love. We have something on our wall in our kitchen, and it's a Bible verse. We've got Bible verses all over the place. But, uh, and I always read this when I go get my gallon of milk, gallon of milk for my one little Debbie, gallon of milk. And it's right there, and I read it, and I said, that's pretty cool, that's pretty cool. And then when I, was reading, I did this lesson, and I went, that's a great Bible verse. Micah 6.8. <laughs> I got one minute. Actually, I'm past time. The Lord has told us what is good. Micah 6.8. The Lord has told us what is good. What he requires of us is this. Okay, this is Jesus talking. What the Lord has told us, what is good. This is required. This is not a prerequisite that we gotta take before we get into the upper level classes. What requires us is this to do what is just, do what's right, always do the right thing, always do the right thing, to show constant love. So now we're doing the right thing and we're showing constant love, and to live in humble fellowship with our God. And if you want to go back to this pride thing here, don't go to God prideful, don't walk in without pride before your God. Okay? Micah 6 8. The Lord has told us what is good, what he requires of us is this, do what's just, show constant love, and to live in humble fellowship of God. And I can't say anything else that's more than that. Thanks. Y'all have a good day.